You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. If you work at a revenue organization, and you're here, so I think you probably do, then you know that as the world has focused on automation and improving the speed and accuracy of processes, plenty of work your team does is still pretty manual. Salespeople still set reminders to follow up with prospects. Data still gets entered manually into the CRM. We all know how that goes. Those are all things that just haven't changed for a lot of organizations. But what has changed across our culture is the willingness of people to engage with machines. If you're my age, you remember the days of people complaining about what we now consider to be a relatively simple phone tree because they wanted to talk to humans. Today, a bottle do fine. On this episode of B2B Nation, I'm talking to Jim Cascade, CEO of Conversica, about how AI-powered bots can cure a lot of what still ills many revenue departments across marketing, sales, and customer success. Welcome to B2B Nation. Jim Cascade, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Hey, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. Well, I'm going to answer that you know a little bit differently because um, for those who know me, they kind of put me in a different bucket as a, a CEO. So I'm going to say that what I do is three things. <clears throat> One, and you're like, wait a minute, I asked that question about the business. Um, I build cultural-led businesses. So I am the type of CEO who's looking to create disruption, not based on just the fact that we've got the best technology in the world, you know, and we've got um, a great market opportunity, et cetera, but more so from the perspective that anybody else who could go after this market won't be able to compete with me because I'm going to have the best people power. I'm all about the people, whether it's the folks within the company, our partners, our customers that we choose to service you know, the, the broader ecosystem. That's number one. Number two, we're very strategic in terms of the um, what we're doing to disrupt. So we're anchoring ourselves on, you know, a purpose, a mission, a vision, and a set of values that really support um, a strategy. So we know where we're going in five years and we know how to march to that. There's no question about it. And then there's execution, clearly. In terms of the business, um, you know, I think for everybody out there, you know, growth is super hard, especially in these times. And when you think about how you grow your business, you're always focused on the good old fashioned way of one customer at a time, close this customer, then the next one. How many can I book in a quarter? How many can my channel partners book in a quarter? But I don't think it has to be as hard as it is. There's a better way. And that's what we believe um, we're trying to accomplish is we're we've been spending about a decade, over a decade in developing what we've now, you know, branded as the powerfully human revenue digital assistance. Now, from our perspective, you know, the digital assistant world is pretty broad, but those that are focused on revenue, very narrow. And those that are providing an experience that have to really engage your customers in a journey that's super dynamic, you need something that's powerfully human. You want to be able to scale your business, interacting with customers and customer prospects 
in a way that feels and looks and sounds like what your human workforce is doing today. So we have um, developed, I think, um, something that's very, very novel. Powerfully human for us is, it's unlike chatbots. It's uh, it's a, an ability for our artificial intelligence to hold meaningful conversations at every touch point, but creating these engagements that are just very natural, right? And amazing brand loyalty is kind of built out of that because all of our clients and users feel like they're getting the white glove treatment and finally getting their interaction in a way that not only gives them what they need, but it scales infinitely. So we we feel like we can provide our clients the ability to have um, an experience with their end users where, yeah, it's saying the right thing just at the right time, you know, but it's very focused on growing revenue. Um, and that's, that's for us, it's, it, you know, we feel, um, you know, is extremely important in these times with economic slowdowns where everybody's focused on cost reduction, but still being required to maintain or grow their revenue. All right. So regular listeners to B2B Nation have probably heard me say I got my start in content creation in B2B marketing and for years helping tech vendors create content about automating processes, automating manual processes to remove errors, to speed things up faster than humans can do them. But for all the talk about marketing technology and RevOps, a lot of the processes that businesses use to actually sell seems to me it, it's still decidedly human, right? Sales reps are putting reminders on their calendar to follow up with clients and prospects and your cold calling and emailing are helped out by tools, but they're still largely have humans doing a lot of the work behind them. And the same thing for moving a complex deal through the sales cycle, they could go on for months of calls and emails. And I guess my question is, why is that? Yeah, I think it's uh, top of mind, probably three things. Um, first, you know, people hang on to the status quo, right? You do what you know. Um, you know, when you're developing pipeline, you have lead sources you need to tap into, right? So just as you kind of indicated, you know, it's webinars, it's trade shows, it's email marketing, it's SEO, paid advertising, social. What else is there? Referrals and, then, you know, content, content syndication and so on. Um, there's probably no marketing team and sales team that feels like they've disrupted that in the last several decades. So when people think about marketing lead follow up or sales lead nurturing, or customer success lead outreach, I think um, they think of field marketers. For the marketeers, it's how many people I can get on staff to help me get those campaigns and drive those lead sources um, efficiently. For salespeople, SDRs, ISRs, AEs, you know, I need more of them and more of them be productive. And then CSMs, I need a you know a CSM that can carry a bigger book of business, more customers on their back. So they they do what they know. Secondly, I think people measure their success based on the size of their staff. Unfortunately, that's a I think that's a reality. So if you um, truly think about, you know, could I? do what I'm doing today with one versus a thousand, there might be a little pressure because I'm not 
I don't have the thousand reporting to me. And probably more, more importantly, and lastly, the third thing, um, people fear what they don't know. And so in this case, putting your customers in the hands of AI, come on. I mean, who's gonna give that up, right? That's my most precious asset. So no freaking way am I gonna let some AI talk to something that's extremely important to me. I think there's, there are a lot of those that they'll believe it when they see it and they're not taking the time to even look at it because they don't believe it. And so you have a lot of that back to that status quo. I think those are the things that, you know, slow any disruption down. You know, the early um, adopters obviously buck the trend because they want to be ahead of their competition. And they know by adopting these disruptive technologies, they will do so. And eventually those that are either on the unemployment line and learn the hard way because they were fired because they weren't able to meet their goals, you know, will follow. Um, I think we're at this period now where the early adopters have proven and um, you know, we're ready to see some of the early majority start to jump in here. The status quo is often the biggest competition in B2B. People worry about the other products, the other vendors that are trying to get business, but a lot of times it's just trying to get people to make a change to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Conversica and digital assistance for revenue teams and how do they work and what tasks do they do? Yeah, so who wouldn't want to have a helper, you know, in any job function, right? So, I mean, especially those who, you know, are doing a lot of hard work that's very repetitive. Um, you know, I think there's, if you think about all the functions that revenue teams perform, and you're one of them listening, if you could take the ones that you hate doing the most and just have the best helper, best version of you do it for you, wouldn't you enjoy your job a little bit more? So from a marketing perspective, tell me if, again, you know, ask yourself, are dormant leads untouched or unresponsive? Like everybody's out there going, yeah. So why not use revenue digital assistance or AI to proactively initiate contact with any of your prospects that previously expressed interest but have gone totally unresponsive in the, let's say, last 90 days? Ask yourself if it's hard to nurture pre-MQL opportunities effectively or at scale. Most people realize that 30% of their you know, their leads are really perfectly touched, followed up, you know, and handed over to the sales teams. 70% aren't. So I think, why not use AI, revenue digital assistance, to conversation qualify every lead, not one lead gets left behind, with direct one-to-one -one personalized, you know, reach out, touch, follow up. And then I think, you know, there's this last area, which is maybe even the most important now that people are coming out of COVID is, is um, are you challenged in getting people to your podcast, Michael? <laughs> are you challenged in getting anybody to your webinar, you know, your physical events out there as listeners? Of course you are. Can you get them oversubscribed? Probably not, especially now when it's your, you know, people are drowning in digital they're all at home. So why not use AI to drive attendance to those webinars, those events, this podcast, all right, and generate interest and set meetings and 
you know, and get attendees to, you know, to follow up after they've talked to you in virtual events or physical events. Make the AI be the first point of contact after such an event. So that's like all the marketeers. Now, think of that in terms of sales. Are you able to engage leads effectively as a sales organization? Do you effectively win back former lost customers? Are you following up after trials or free software downloads in a way that's efficient? These are all great questions that are usually no. I don't effectively do that. But what if I gave you unlimited capacity to do so at no additional cost to your organization? And then if you're a CS lead leader, I mean, I think there's where you're just trying to effectively manage your existing customer base, especially in these times, you don't, every dollar you're trying to retain and hopefully not just retain, but grow. So how do you onboard new customers? How do you conduct health checks, collect customer feedback, schedule account reviews, connect with them, you know, regarding events, secure references, you know, communicate critical, critical, you know, critical product updates. These are all things that CSMs are like, yep, yep. That's what I do every day. What if I could help you do that at scale with revenue digital assistance and then cross sell upsell, which CS team feels like they're not just really great at managing accounts and protecting by retaining, but as, as good as they are doing that, they're also really good sellers. They can put their sales team, you know, to a test because they know how to sell just as well as the sales team does. Well, the answer is that's a little hard to find. Why not embody the best sales practices in your CSM organization using revenue digital assistance to do early renewals, you know, to cross sell upsell with new product features and functions. Um, those are some of the things we do, Michael. And I think it sounds like a no brainer if it truly could be powerfully human, right? Um, otherwise it's just mechanical and people know it's similar to a bulk email, just providing you an update that you blast to your entire customer base that I ignore and usually hit delete versus a highly dynamic, personalized two-way conversation with an assistant, you know, that has a persona behind that organization. So that's what we do. And there are still a lot of tasks in all three areas that you just addressed that AI can't do yet, right? You talked about, you know, the noise that's out there in the market for marketers. Well, you need to create good messages and good content. And if you can take some of the more minutiae, mindless tasks, maybe, and give them to a revenue digital assistant to do, it gives you more time to invest in the quality of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, um, you hit it right on the head. We were born in the sales AI space. That's how the business started back in 2007. Um, our first sales AI product launched in 2009. So it's probably the neatest place to focus on. So if you're an SDR team and um, you're trying to drive new opportunities for your sales team, you're trying to get above the noise and you're definitely one of many hitting those clients from all directions digitally. So you can't cover your basis across all the communication channels. You can't, you know, have this cadence that's perfectly, um, you know, spread out or infinitely long. And it's hard to really, you know, make every message that you engage with unique to that person. 
you tend to kind of fall back into, well, this is this is the way I open. This is the way I do LinkedIn messaging. This is the way I leave phone call messages. This is the way I construct my email. So it's hard to scale. And now in these times, these teams are getting impacted. So usually, you know, you're seeing some optimization, which just means the team that remains has to do more. So it's hard. I think um, we love to take those tasks and give that same team the opportunity to do what's even more high value, which would be things like, well, let me look at my target list that my AE team's going after. Let me study that target client. Let me understand their business. Let me listen to their, their CEO uh, on the earnings call. Let me read their, you know, their quarterly, um, you know, earnings report. Let me, let me understand what's really driving their business and their needs and research it and actually figure out how my solution can, can really supercharge their business while all those other tasks that really kind of distracts them from that more high value is being done by your revenue digital assistants. I think that's a marriage where you're creating a growth workforce that's truly scalable. It'll make your team happier. Most likely you won't churn SDRs in 18 months, which is typical, you know, and you're not now kind of burdened as an organization to recruit with how long does it take to onboard, to get them to productivity, you know, and finally, you know, working with their AE counterpart only to then move on to another business where they can become an AE or so on. So it's tough if you don't give, I think, this type of scale to revenue teams now, because I think those that do get a taste of it, all of our alumni are just consuming this like it's candy. And I think eventually, you know, people are going to catch on that if they're not doing this, they're going to be at a significant disadvantage. I think when you talk about SDR, BDR teams, and it's true of marketers too, um, you can incentivize sort of bad behavior, right? You talked about cadences before. The human is going to resort to that. Let me say something strange or outlandish to get you to open the email. Let me get you to fill out a form to help meet my MQL goal in marketing because they're human and they have goals to hit and they have, you know, these rightly or wrongly things that were put in place that they're trying to do, whether it's an open rate or a reply rate. And your, your AI assistant doesn't fall victim to that sort of thinking because it doesn't think that way. That's right. It's not looking for a coffee break a vacation, you know, it doesn't ask for a raise, which, you know, is not in conflict with the human workforce that does. I think what it is, is it's just able, it's able to take on any infinite number of tasks at scale that allows your workforce to, to relax in their role. I think when you're pushed to hit a certain amount of phone calls per day, emails per day, LinkedIn messages per day, you're, you're going to feel like, yeah, the, the, it's a numbers game. The more I can do, the chances of getting something to pop increases versus what I think some people have heard. Let me do you know less volume, make it more quality, and I'll get even more output. But, but I think a lot of this workforce, based on how young it is, in its role, in its function, has a hard time really believing that. And so you, they always default. Everybody defaults to volume that's not personalized, it's not one-on-one, and then they get tired of it because it doesn't work and they churn. So I think at the end of the day, um, from our perspective, yeah, the RDA is not 
you know, doesn't have a, a, uh, a bad day, so to speak. And so it's always on message. It's always in a perfect cadence and it'll keep hounding you until you're in market. And so we've seen some message sequences go out to like 299 days before the person said, man, you are persistent. I'm going to talk to your boss and tell him how good you are because you've never seen it a rep, you know, <laughs> how me for as long as you did. And um, that's okay. I mean, I think we we make every reach out um, different from the previous one, which is is something you can do with technology like this. And it doesn't get stressed. And it doesn't get stressed. That's one of the human things that impacts our productivity and the quality of our work, right? Is that we're, we worry about the numbers. We worry about what's going on at home. And uh, he or she gets up at the right time and, you know, doesn't quit. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's very consistent, very persistent, you know, very personalized. So it's everything you, you know, you've heard about and it, and it works. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds too good to be true. But this is where I think technology is going broadly. It's not just in our class of, you know, applications. I think, you know, automation has been a, a play for decades. We've just not realized that, you know, I used to have a spreadsheet instead of a CRM, for example. <laughs> so, you know, we've all been given tools that make it a little bit easier for us. And this is one that makes it a lot easier for you. And it scales infinitely. So, I don't know. I'm drinking my own champagne, of course. but. Um, but it does work. It occurs to me that we are able to have this conversation today because of a pretty seismic culture shift that you and I were around for. We were adults for this. For years, when it came to like telephone conversations, people demanded humans. How do I get out of this phone tree and get me a human to talk to? Yeah. And they got upset when they couldn't get the human. Yeah. But online, like research tells us, people are fine working with a good like bot experience as long as it's good. And do you hear reluctance from prospects or customers about incorporating bots into their revenue processes? Or are they kind of recognizing this sea change that people have gone from preferring the human to prefer preferring the machine? I think the quick answer is yes, because of one simple fact. The buyer wallet share is shifting to the younger generation, right? So our millennials, you know, our Gen Yers, all of, all of these younger people coming into the workforce also are coming into being the wallet share, wallet share of buyers. And because it's a younger buyer persona, they're very digital savvy. And this concept of I'm going to pick up the phone and chat with my buddy versus being on, you know, name your app. Um, it's let's be on the app. And so I think digitally connected uh, buyers is obviously where the whole world has gone and continues to go. And so as that continues to saturate um, this, uh, this reluctance of engaging a, a bot, you know, I think falls, you know, to zero. And then the expectation though of it being more effective goes up. Right. So I think there is a trade-off. Yes, people are more willing to talk to a bot than a salesperson. They don't want to talk to a salesperson. Frankly, they'd love to buy it without a salesperson. 
but they also don't want to have a really crappy bot experience. So this is where the dilemma comes in. The technologies for revenue facing AI um, has not really taken off because there just really hasn't been a good experience. And that's been our focus as a business at Conversica because we've had such a, you know, and you've heard this from every CEO talking about their business, but this is truth. You know, we've been in this business for so long. We've learned a lot, and now we're picking up a lot of amazing technology from the web scale companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and you know LinkedIn and everybody that's done digital at scale has also created some really neat technology. And so when it comes to what we use for our artificial intelligence, the technology is so powerful, so powerful. So now we can actually have conversations, you know, not just over chat not just over email, not just over mobile SMS, but through messaging apps like WhatsApp and, you know, uh, Facebook Messenger, over social networks like Twitter. And now we've gone, okay, we can even service calls on the phone so our bots can talk via voice and go digital signage. And so now it's like, well, wait a minute, it can go beyond digital and go into analog, so to speak, in physical places you know, over the phone. So it really just is where the youth now, the buyers um, who love this actually and not not run away from it, um, are going to consume it. And um, we're there now, I think, in terms of not just Conversica, but any of our peers have access to this too. Um, ability to talk over any communication channel. What's left is how intelligent the experience can be, how humanly powerful it can be. And that has been extremely hard for even for us. We've been working on that aspect of it um, in my tenure over the last three years, and only now have we gotten it right. So it's like, okay, everything you watch in the movies, you know, science fiction, it's starting to come true. Here we are. What's the messages that are resonating the most with your customers and prospects? We know that everybody wants to do more with less, especially these days. We know that everybody wants to find every opportunity to uncover revenue, right? You're going through the couch looking for the change. Yeah. We know that everybody wants to speed up their sales cycle. What else is working? What are you hearing from clients and prospects when they come to you and they're going through the process of researching solutions to help solve those problems? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a leading question to our value proposition, clearly. I think, um, you know, it's different depending on which area of revenue you're talking about, first of all. So if you're at the top of the funnel and you're in the marketing world, you have the smallest budget, the smallest team, you have the biggest expectations for lead coverage. Um, you know that even if the sales team says that they're good at outbound and they can cover a lot of their lead uh, requirements by prospecting themselves, you know that's not true. And so, you know, good executive teams will provide more buffer to kind of overcompensate, try to overly develop um, inbound uh, generation through awareness and direct marketing integrated campaigns. So the marketeers are under a lot of pressure, whether it's, you know, as little as 30% coverage for the sales teams to 70% coverage for sales teams. Um, so for us, you know, they're basically, all of our clients coming to us are like, can you please help us generate more high quality opportunities for our sales teams? And I think for us, it's redefining what the term MQL means. Marketing qualified lead 
is not something that we we look at anymore. We look at it as conversation qualified, meaning if our AI goes back and forth with somebody, it's so much more high quality than if somebody just clicked on an open email or went past that and did a little web surfing or even downloaded, you know, a white paper. And so from our perspective, we can create higher quality. And then, of course, because we're digital, we can do it at any scale. So it really is whatever you feed it, it will be able to follow up on every lead. And I think, you know, the bulk of the listeners probably struggle in the marketing domain uh, because of the factors of little budget and fewer people. So I'll just focus on them. Um, They hate it when they spend so much time doing all this work whether it's creating content or creating webinars and doing all this really fantastic work to drive opportunities only to see a sales force, not follow up on them, right? Drop them, do some crappy follow-up where they say something stupid and the marketeers are just sitting there going, Oh my God, gotta be kidding me. And so there's a ton of frustration from the marketeers from that as well. And if I can just insert something in between the marketing generated opportunities and the sales followed up opportunities and put this guarantee in the between in between the two that says i will follow up on every lead the marketeers ever create and i will follow up in on it in seconds not days or weeks and i'll follow up on it on perfect on message com- communications and i won't just follow up once I'll do multiple times. (laughs) If I just present that to any marketeer, they'll be like, come on, give me a break. This is like, you know, you're, you're dreaming. You're in like some Holy grail, but that's what they do. That's what we're talking about. And I think if I, if I described the perspective from the salesperson and from the CSM or CS leaders perspective, I can give you the same story. It really is kind of overcoming this friction challenge and friction that occurs because you just can't scale your human workforce. So why not scale it with a growth workforce combination of humans and AI? Why not? Why not? Please, please, please um, consider it because it works. A question we ask just about everybody on B2B Nation. What is your favorite tool? And the rules here are you can't cite Conversica or revenue bots or any other tool you're selling. And you can't say your phone unless you're setting a specific app because we're all completely useless without our phones. My God. What's your favorite tool? And it's been pointed out to me, by the way, I should say that your favorite tool and the thing you can't work without aren't necessarily the big, the same thing. Uh, we all have tools we can't work without that we can't stand. But what's your favorite tool? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, I think my answer to that you know, obviously I sit in the sea of 9,000 RevTech, you know, tools. And if you looked at the whole gamut, I mean, every, every category is contributing to some disruption. But where I'm more curious uh, for myself personally is probably somewhat biased on where this younger buyer is going, which is I'm going to buy online. I'm going to buy through an e-commerce kind of, um, you know, experience. And so it really gets down to kind of some of the e-commerce like disruptions, you know, and and one of the uh, businesses that I'm I'm really kind of seeing as where everybody's going is this company called Bamboozer, where you can do live video shopping 
you know, you're, you're, you're making purchase decisions while um, you're watching. And I think if you think about it, how cool is that, right? You see somebody wearing something in action, you could pick and find out what that pair of jeans are or that dress, find out information on it and actually purchase it. And it can be live, but it can also be, you know, recorded. And I, to me, that that just is like an indicator of kind of where everything's going. Let's just make it simple. When you see something you like, um, when you know you're ready to buy, um, that you can learn about what it is, where to get it, and purchase it all in the moment or in the app that you're in. And I think that, for me personally, since I'm probably no different than the younger generations in terms of my ability to consume uh, new technologies, I love making things simple to buy stuff and um, probably overpurchase because of that. But anyway, <laughs> I love the I love the, com the companies that are really trying to transform that experience. There's other companies that do kind of chat to live uh, where I'm in there and I'm looking at stuff and I can get somebody, you know, who really understands the product. I've seen some where I can get right into a showroom with somebody physical uh, from digital. There's a lot of neat ways that I can en engage the product um you know that gives a, a great a great experience but it it does need to scale so you do need to look at things that you know obviously you can deploy when you're successful digitally if you're sort of mediocrely successful you can still rely more on humans but when you're overly successful uh you can't so there's my answer hopefully that's uh that's fun yeah, and that's another example of people doing their research and buying and not including other people in the process yeah exactly i can just go and do that and time was you it was very hard to buy clothes especially without encountering a human being whether it was a salesperson or a checkout or somebody to measure whatever it was there was a human interaction which is about guaranteed yeah exactly um, right and now yeah I remember you probably remember too when they when uh, people started selling clothes online. People were like, "Nah, it's never gonna work, right? Everybody's gotta try stuff on. Like, <laughs> nobody's ever gonna buy their clothes." Yeah, I'll get these books online. That's not gonna be a big. <laughs> Jim Cascade, CEO of Conversica. Thanks for joining us on B two B Nation. Thanks, Michael. Really appreciate the time. Thanks again to Jim Cascade of Conversica for joining us on B2B Nation. If you found this episode interesting or insightful, share it with a colleague. And follow B2B Nation on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and really anywhere quality podcasts are found. Thanks to the technology advice crew, Hunter Hill, Amy Dunn, and KJ Pace, Mnemonics in the Guild, wrote our theme song. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.